0: Christ rules by the force of love and the power of his goodness. Let us prepare to hear God's truth, which begins with prayer. Let us pray together. Loving Father, help us so to hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe and believing we may follow in all the faithfulness and And in all obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. How do you respond to the question of evil? How do you respond to the problem of evil in your life? Throughout my ministry journey, I've had many, many occasions, as some of you have had, to share the the, the gospel, to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with many. I uh, have received many different rea- reactions to that message, as many of you have had, many reactions that have challenged me. Once I shared the message of the gospel with a young man who was struggling to even believe if there was even a God, if there was even a God. And and the reason for his struggle was the problem of evil, the problem of evil in this world. He talked about the violence that's going on in in our society. He he talked about the mass shootings that have been taking place in in this year alone. And this is an aside, just so you'll know, just in this year, in, in 2023, up to August 20, uh, August third of twenty twenty three, there have been more than 420, 420 mass shootings in the U.S., resulting in in uh, four hundred and sixty five deaths and uh, one thousand seven hundred eighty one injuries from these mass shootings alone. And he and so I mean he he was talking about things like this. This young man spoke about how how death has has been a part of the human experience, the humanity for centuries on end. We talk about the slaughter going on in the during the Holocaust. How many people were killed in concentration camps during World War II? He also was just pondering all this: the sicknesses and illnesses and diseases, the, even the even epi- the epidemics that have been around forever including COVID-19, where many, many, many people were were died uh, as a result of COVID-19 or complications from COVID-19. How can there be a God, is the question he pondered, how can there be a God with so much evil in this world? How can there be a God with so much evil in this world? Does that sound like a logical question? I mean, it could be. It, It does sound like a logical question. And there's no doubt that there's evil in this world. Uh, even for a Christian, there's no doubt that there's evil in this world. But the problem of evil does not call into question that there is a God. Now, again, the problem of evil, the, the evil that we see throughout human history, that doesn't mean that there's not a God. That doesn't mean that there's not that a god does not exist. The problem of evil does call into question this. It does call into question what kind of god is this? What kind of god is this that allows evil in the world? What kind of god Allows the slaughter of people. What kind of God allows death on a massive scale? What kind of God is that? What kind of God would allow epidemics to occur throughout human history? What kind of God would allow starvation? Suffering? What kind of God would tolerate evil? How would you as a Christian answer that question? How would you answer that question? How would you answer the question of the the problem of evil in this world? Well, now, we, when we ponder a question like that, we first acknowledge that there is evil in the world. And then we ponder the question, the follow-up question, what kind of God would allow this evil to exist? And the, and the question that has to be answered, we need to respond to that question by saying, the God that would allow evil like this to take place is the God that we need to take notice of. I think, if, there, if this God that does exist, and we know he exists, if he allows evil on a massive scale to take place, if he tolerates it, then that is a God we need to take notice of. More than that, that is a God that we must have peace with. We need to come to terms with this God. Now, we cannot... Say that God doesn't care, especially as a Christian. We cannot say this God doesn't care. We know He cares. Now, how do we know He cares? He gave us His Son, He sent His Son to rescue us. He gave us His only begotten Son who came down from heaven on a rescue mission. So that means that we have a God of love, a God who loves us. The Lord God Almighty has given us a way to salvation, to be saved. The problem of evil should drive every one of us to Christ. The problem of evil, whenever anybody talks about all the stuff that's going on how can God do this and how can God do that? How can He allow this? How can He allow that? That should drive them to Christ because it's real. It's not made up, there is a problem. It should drive us to Christ rather than turning away from God. Like this young man, it should drive him to Christ rather than turning away, becoming trying to become an atheist or something else. It should be driving him to, to Jesus. My dear friends, if God is the kind of God who allows evil and a, that type of God who allows suffering on a massive scale. It is a God who we need to take notice of. It is a God who we need to come to terms with, to come to peace with. Because this God is a is a moral God. He knows, he calls right, he calls right, right, good, good, evil, evil. And that's not what we think good and, and, and evil is, but he deems it. It's what he deems it and it is also a God who will condemn us to eternal damnation the Bible tells us that, that God is a consuming fire a consuming fire ponder that he is a consuming fire you now where can we run where are we going to go the, the psalmist talks about that everywhere he goes God's there not even in hell I mean, where are you going to go? He rules over the the condemned. We need peace with God. So that means we need a Savior. We need a Savior. We need someone to save us from a God that that will condemn us. The only way to find peace is through the Savior, Jesus Christ. We must receive, we must believe and receive him, not just as our Savior. We must submit to him as our Lord, our King. If you're personally overwhelmed with the problem of evil in your personal life, and if you reach the point of hopelessness, it's time to call out, cry out to Christ. Sometimes that's some of us, that's the only way we can, we come. We have to be flat on our face in hopelessness. We cry out to him. And instead of him telling us, ah, you deserve that. And we do. The mess you caused, that was your own making. And it was. That's not what he tells us. He says, He comes to us. He's willing to save us. Uh, He has, I mean, that is a God of love. Don't ever be tricked into thinking our God is a, a God of hate. Our God is a God of love. Even if he was to condemn a sinner who doesn't believe in Christ, even if he was to condemn a sinner to eternal damnation, he's doing it lovingly because that's what they want. God of love. This is the gospel message. Saving faith comes from receiving Jesus Christ, for he is clothed in the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God for salvation. The gospel is the power, power of God for salvation. (coughs) Excuse me, today we're starting a new sermon series, that's going to look at the foundational doctrines of the Bible. These are the essential teachings of Christianity. If we don't believe in these essential teachings of Christianity, we are not Christian, and that's the series. That's the series we're, we're getting into. For the next few Sundays, we're going to look at the core beliefs of what it means to be a true follower of Christ. And some of you may experience sharing the gospel with somebody and they told you, yeah, I know what the gospel is. And I've asked you when you're sharing the gospel to go ahead and say, let's talk about what it is, even though you know what it is. Let's make sure we're on the same page and let's talk about what it means and then talk about it. You'll be surprised how much how many times they don't they, they haven't gotten it. They're just taking it for granted. They're not understanding what the what the message of the gospel is. They're not understanding the doctrine, the teaching of the Bible. What is the gospel then? What is the gospel? Well, succinctly, I I can tell you that the gospel is Jesus Christ. The gospel is Jesus Christ. It's not a religion. It is Him. That's why that the, the one who who's Uh, coined the phrase that Jesus is clothed in the gospel was theologian uh, uh, John Calvin he said that Jesus is the gospel that's him that's the gospel it's Jesus you see it is all about Jesus everything's about Jesus your life is about Jesus your love for life is about Jesus everything's about him he is the almighty he is God himself Uh, The story of redemption throughout the Bible in the Old and New Testament tells us the story of Jesus. Jesus himself tells us that in, in Luke chapter 24, he tells us that the entirety of the Bible is about him. The story of our redemption is about Jesus Christ, our Lord. As we answer the question, what is the gospel? It begins With understanding what the word means, what does the word gospel mean? And the word gospel means good news. Uh, The word gospel in the New Testament is used over 93 times in the New Testament. It's clearly a summary of the uh, the summary term of the core of Christianity, the gospel. The word gospel literally means in the Greek. To evangelize, to evangelize, and by the way, we are going to have, and we're going to start meeting on evangelizing, learning how to evangelize in your own circle of influence, and on your own, and in the way you communicate with other people. You, we're going to talk about how to evangelize with someone else, how to share Jesus with someone else. And see, to evangelize the message of the gospel makes it a distinction between Christianity and every other religion and every other religion we've mentioned before. All the other religions are trying to reach up to God and Jesus in the gospel who's reaching down to us. Because we can't get there from here. The uh, the evangelical the good news, which means the good news. It basically, like it was used like a military term where the heralds will go out and talk about the evangel evangelium, the good news of a great victory, a glorious victory that the king has won. It's the good news that goes out to the world, a victory in a great battle. Now, see, when we talk about a victory in a in a big battle, we can't relate to that. Not all of us. Some of us can. Who were around during the Second World War, but but even even in, in Vietnam and other places, we can we, you can probably relate to a battle, but most of us can't relate to what that means. The battle that this great kings won. Yeah, it's like saying that the, for example, if the Nazis had won, let's say the Nazis took over the world. Well, we would be here. We wouldn't be here. But we'd all be speaking German, right? German? Yeah. We wouldn't be eating Mexican food. We would be eating, there you go, with some chili. But, no. But, I mean, look at how different it would be. But that's what it's talking about. It's talking about this great victory. this great victory in battle and the battle is the battle with the problem of evil that is won by God through Christ through the life and work of Christ the victory that is the victory and the new ascending King new for us he was all he's always been a king that is accomplished he accomplishes our salvation the gospel is not good advice it's not good advice about how we are to gain to gain access to heaven. It's not good advice. It is salvation. It is the power of salvation. It's power. Power. Real power to save us. Now, We hear it as good advice to go and believe Jesus and we're going to be saved, but it's absolute power that God, through His grace, places upon us to respond to the message and we respond to the message and receive Christ. The power of salvation. It's got to be power because we're condemned. We're already condemned before we're saved to go somewhere. We're predestined to go to hell. According to Scripture, we're also predestined chosen of God now that that's a hard concept and there's a lot of debate but it's written in scripture it's a hard concept for our limited minds to grasp that God knew that he was going to save you before he blew before he spoke the universe into existence that is a God thing We're just going to have to trust the Bible the word of God and it, it's not anything that we did or anything that God saw in us. Hey, man, he's not, you know, he's a pretty good old boy. He was all right. He wasn't that bad. No, I mean, it only takes one sin to condemn us. And we're born in sin, in a sinful environment. So the key to understanding the gospel, the good news is what? Understanding the bad news. Understanding the bad news. And we've already talked a little bit about the bad news, just talking about all the things that are going on in this world. Now, we can relate to bad news. Think about bad news that you've received in your life. Bad news when you were trying to promote to captain or major or something, they said, hey, man, you didn't do good enough. And you're going to lose your job or something. I mean, it's you, you have a feeling of hopelessness, a, a feeling of despair. And it's just limited. But what about if they come to you and say, hey, man, you got cancer. You got cancer and it's terminal. That's the bad news. I mean, that could be disdaining. I mean, we can just get depressed on that. And there could be a, a true feeling of hopelessness. We can have a feeling of bad news when our loved ones die, pass away unexpectedly. That's bad news. And again, it's a feeling of hopelessness, of despair. The bad news is, that is revealed to us in God's word is found in, as found in the Bible tells us that there's something wrong with us. There is something wrong with you and me, with us and this world. That is very offensive to people. You don't want to hear that. I'm doing the best I can. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm just like everybody else. See, yeah, that's true. You are just like everybody else. There's something wrong with them, too. What is that problem? The problem is sin. The problem of evil. Sin and the sin in the world. That's what the Bible identifies it as it is. the problem of sin. We are all sinners. Okay, so here's how we get a a grip of all this. In the Old Testament, we're told that God gave his people the what? The law. He gave them the law. The law was like a measuring stick, a measuring stick and to to allow us to understand how short we come to the glory of God, how short we are, to allow us to understand how wicked we are. We don't come up to the standards of God, to the high standards of perfection in God. The righteous requirements of the law are inflexible. They're not gonna be changed because you're a special person. The law is good. And if you don't meet the requirements of the law, you're condemned. And that, see that's, it's just like, I can't, I can't believe that. I, mean, I tried my best, like how can I be condemned? Now that guy over there is bad. He or she is bad. Now hey, that person is because of it, not me. No, it's saying no, you're you're condemned. It's just the way it is. God is a righteous God. He's going to judge you for what you have done and you have sinned. There you go. That's the law. Despite the goodness or badness relative to other people. We're all in the same boat. We've all been condemned. We are going to be punished for the sin, and that punishment is eternal death certainly separation from God as a relationship and a good source of life, eternal life. So now how do we do it? How do we get there? How do we get to the the abode where God dwells, the kingdom where God dwells, the realm of life and light? Well, that place is a place of total perfection, total perfection. So they cannot let somebody tainted go into total perfection. That's not going to happen. God's not going to allow it to happen. He's going to contaminate everything. How do we get there? Well, our sins have to be paid for, our sins have to be removed. Just look at sin as being a crime, a cosmic crime against God, against an eternal God by a finite creature. It's a crime. And so God has to judge that crime. He has to judge it. He cannot say, he cannot just wink his eye and say, no, you're okay, I, don't worry about it, just come on in. No, if he did that, he wouldn't be a righteous God. Remember, this is we're talking about the Almighty himself. So that crime has to be paid for. Someone has to pay the penalty of that crime. And, and we don't have enough money in the bank to do this. We don't have enough credit to do this. Not not in ourselves, we don't. So comes God, our rescuer, who becomes flesh like we are. But he's sinless, and he lives his perfect life, fulfilling all the righteous requirements of the law. And then he says, okay, I'm going to lay my life down for you, for you, so that you not just can be sinless, but you have the righteousness to get to enter the kingdom of God that is it that's the gospel perfection and look it, even the word to try to comprehend perfection in the kingdom of god that's t- that's beyond us the closest some of us can get to is like thinking about a perfect game in major league baseball right in the history of major league baseball which started back in 1903 there have been 24 perfect games What's a perfect game, Manny? Well, a perfect game in baseball is when the opposing the pitcher throws a, a, pitches a game in its entirety where no one that comes to the play from the opposing team gets on base. No one. They're out. No, no one even gets on base. It's not a no-hitter. This is a perfect game. There's only been 24 of them since 1903 in Major League Baseball. See, that's pretty good in, 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 the, in the realm, in our realm, that's pretty good. But that's not good enough. That's not perfection in the kingdom of God. If you wanted to, to make a comparison using that analogy, you could say, okay, this pitcher pitched a perfect game and the pitcher was sinless. And the batter that came up through the plate, he or she was sinless. And the people that packed the stadium, all of them, capacity crowd, they're all sinless. And the world that this was in is all sinless. That is perfection. And it's hard for us to comprehend that. Perfection like that. We don't have the inkling. We don't have the capacity to comprehend that. You know, you've heard people say, well, my mom passed away. And she she's up in heaven. She believed in Jesus. But I can tell she comes over and she keeps an eye on me. He watches over me. That's nonsense. We're talking about perfection. My mom is with the Lord. And she she knows all that's taken care of. She doesn't even have a doubt that it's been taken care of. Her focus is on him. See, that's what, that's what we're talking about. We don't get perfection. We don't get it. It is beyond our comprehension, but so is the, the mind of the Lord. It is beyond us. So when we look at, at uh, the the uh, uh, this perfection, when we look at trying to get to perfection, and when we look at Christ dying for our perfection, we see in the Bible where it says that, that our sins have to be paid for by a bloody sacrifice. The bloody sacrifice of an innocent life. Well, there's only been one of those. There's only been one man that can say that. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sin. And the blood was shed, shed by our Savior. Now, it brings us to the good news. The good news, the elements of the good news of the gospel is found in the passage that Jackie read just a few minutes ago. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 6, verse 3 to 6. Now, I want you to notice that in that passage, Paul says that he shares a message that he was given. He didn't make this up. He was given. The message that the, of the gospel that the disciples and the apostles shared with the world as they went out to the world was given to them. They didn't make it up. What does that mean? It means that the message of the gospel is divinely inspired. It is divine, it, it's divine in its origin. And it's given to humans and humans share the message with others. See, that's the message that you're sharing when you share Jesus, the gospel with others. You're sharing a divine message. How do you know? How do you know of it? Oh, how do you know that, man? How do you know that? Hey, that's God saying it. It's in his word. I get, I understand how you're confused and all that, but I'm just telling you what it says. And and I'm asking you to ponder it. Because if you say pray to some people, they go, I don't need to pray. But ponder it. See, the Holy Spirit is working, and the fruit is ripe. They're waiting for that message, they're waiting. And the minute you share it with them, they're going to respond. Some of you are probably thinking, hey, man, here in San Antonio, the fruit's not ripe yet. It's not ripe. It's not ready. Because you're ready you're ready to give up. Don't give up. Keep sharing it. Keep sharing it. That's all you're called to do. You and I, we're just called to share the message. God handles it. God handles it. It's divinely, the message of the gospel is divine in its origin. It came from God himself. Paul states, for I deliver to you As of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, God's word, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance to Scripture. According to Scripture. Salvation for those who believe in the God. Saved according to Scripture. That's a first importance. It's a fourth source importance because that's what the, di- the disciples were doing. They were sharing Jesus. They were sharing the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. That's the gospel, the gospel. They were sharing Jesus. Yeah, the divine message of the gospel is accompanied with proof. Proof. And that proof, the guarantee of our salvation, is found in the resurrection. The resurrection of Christ, something that has never happened in human history, that will happen again when we are resurrected. But it never happened before. Before Christ, died. Christ died on the cross for our sins, and as proof, he was buried, and that's not disputed. It's in Romans four twenty five says. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Justification, that's a Bible word. It's like when we stand before the glorious throne of God and God says you are justified in coming into heaven. The righteousness of Christ is in you. You're welcomed in heaven. Justification, justification, you're justified. It's a forensic setting, right? A courtroom setting. And you're saying, Come. The Lord God Almighty is saying, Come. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, thereby overcoming sin and death. And to that, there were over 500 eyewitnesses. So people go, people today will say, Hey, they're going to prove none of those people are alive. There were witnesses back then, over 500 of them, that could have come forward and said, That's not true. No, there are over 500 witnesses that came and said, I saw him alive, walking around in a human body. I touched him. And I know he died because I was there. And everybody knows he died. He was crucified. And we saw him living, talking to us, allowing us to touch him, eating with us. That's amazing. That changed the course of history, human history, changed the, the, the disciples' lives. They were, willing to, they were willing to give up their life because they know there was something beyond the curtain of death in the kingdom of God. For this reason, it stands written in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. We are the Greek. For uh, For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. You, my friends who are in Christ, are the righteous. And you're being called to live as though you are among the righteous. In right standing with God. Now we sometimes we, we can struggle with that. Sometimes we are we question things, even if we don't even think the question, like we question them, we don't really. Think. We kind of or just doubt, just a little bit of doubt. And then we do something stupid and we sin, like intentionally sin. After we told him that we that he was our Lord and Savior, and we stumble and fall severely, where it cost us a lot of things, maybe even a marriage. And then we go and have the nerve to say, I'm sorry. Give me? And he forgives you again? That's a God of love. That's the gospel message. See, when you, when Christ is your Savior, you want him. You don't want to be apart, separated from him. You have to be there with him. You cannot stand being away from him. And the longer you're away from him, the more you want to go back to him. And you get to the point of just saying you're sorry, and everything that that caused you to stumble was your fault. You did it on purpose. You knew that you were not, you're not supposed to do that. You still did it, and you stumbled. And he is so gracious enough that he forgives you. See, that is why you're predestined. See, he chose you. Now, if it was on our own merit, we would lose it. Some of us would lose it on the very same day, but like if it was on our own merit, we would lose it. If we earned our salvation, we would lose it. Praise God, it was given to us. We were chosen. And that's what we're living. That's how we're responding. That's how we live our life. That's the good news of the gospel. Yeah, about a month ago, there was a lady. Marjorie Perkins of Maine. She was awoken at 2 a.m. in the morning and saw a young man standing up over her while she was laying in her bed. And he told her he was going to cut her. I'm going to cut you. And as he was taking his clothes off, he was going to rape her. And by the way, this was a, an 87-year-old woman. 87-year-old woman. He says, he's going to cut me. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. And she fights him. He puts a, a chair between them, and they're fighting, and he cuts her, and the hands and face. But he, see, she fights him off, and then he stops. And then the intruder tells her, I'm awful hungry. He walks to the kitchen. And then she follows him and she gives him a box of peanut butter cookies and crackers and gives him two protein drinks and two tangerines. Then she calls 911 on her rotary phone. And then after she feeds him, he takes off and the police were able to catch him quick. (laughs) She, She said she remembers the young man Years ago, when he was a kid, she he would come and cut the cut, cut her grass. This woman who feeds her attacker—it doesn't say that she was a Christian, but the newspapers aren't going to tell us that. She feeds her attack. She has compassion over her attacker, who was trying to rape her, at least rape her. This lady gives us a perfect example of what the problem of evil is. She says this. She says that she wasn't afraid of where she lived. But she says people um, aren't afraid of anything anymore. They feel they can do anything they please. That's what she says to the newspaper. What a definition of the problem of evil in our world. That's it. That's it. From an 87-year-old woman. Jesus is going to take care of the problem with evil. He's going to do away with evil. He's going to do away with sin when he returns. See, if you're in Christ, you can rejoice. Rejoice at his coming. You can look forward to with anxious anticipation at his return. Jesus Christ rules by the power of love and the power of his goodness. We're not called to serve him as followers and obey in obedience. Serve him in true obedience. If you're not under Christ, if you're not in Christ, you're certainly, you got your hands full with with the problem of evil. You don't know where to turn. You don't know what to do. You're, you know, there's still hope. There's still hope. There's still hope coming from people that are coming to you and saying, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard the gospel message? Can I tell you about Jesus? See, that's how it starts. You're a means to the end. You're a means to the salvation that's going to come to this person, which God has deemed. But he's using us as a means to that end. Isn't that incredible? It's incredible. Only God does stuff like that. There's still hope. In Christ. Saving faith comes from receiving Jesus Christ, for He is clothed in the gospel, and the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Let us pray together. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210 241 5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching his word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.